Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Last week, we talked about rest. Everybody say rest. Uh, and I talked about how Jesus said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made to give us rest. Anybody need rest in 2020? That better be everybody, because this year's been crazy. Uh, but it's almost over. Are y'all ready for the, we actually missed 2020 memes that come out in 2021? We thought it was bad memes. Uh, if you haven't thought about that, they're coming. I'll show them to you in January. Um, but y'all, we're, we're going to be jumping into one of the most challenging stories in the scripture. Anybody like a challenge in here? I like a challenge. Turn to your neighbor and say, I like a challenge. If you don't like a challenge, say, I want to like challenges, but I'm working on it. But before we get into the challenge, I'd like to start with hope. Everybody say hope. Go to Luke 4. Luke 4. I don't know if we've got it back there. We do. They got it. Luke 4. I'm in the ESV. Joe French, what is that? Extra spiritual version. That's right. Best, bi- best version of the Bible is the one that you read. Amen. Uh, Luke 4, 18 and 19. Here's what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yo, this is Jesus' mission statement. Jesus is coming out and saying, this is the type of ministry that I'm gonna have. Any organization that does well has a mission statement, right? Jesus is saying, I'm gonna proclaim liberty to the captives. I'm gonna proclaim freedom to those who have been set free. And he says, I'm gonna be... I'm going to proclaim the year of the Lord's what? Favor. Everybody say favor. Y'all, this is a loaded statement. This statement is only used a few times in the scripture. And the year of the Lord's favor is something called the year of Jubilee. Everybody say Jubilee. See, the year of Jubilee is something that happened every 50 years. It was supposed to. But the truth is, is that true Jubilee never took place amongst God's people. The year of Jubilee was the time when debts were supposed to be canceled, captives were supposed to be set free, and the community was supposed to be reset so that those who don't have could have. Those who were stuck could start over. Y'all, that is the heart of God, but we don't like to release people from debts. It's human nature. Don't feel too guilty. (laughs) And Jesus said, I am the Jubilee. I am the year of the Lord's favor. I have come to set the captives free. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's Jubilee language. Jesus is saying, I'm doing something entirely new. I'm teaching you a new way to live. And we exist as a community in the wake of that announcement, that there's a new way to live. And for 2,000 years, the church of Jesus has been talking about that just earlier before service, I don't want to get too much into your stuff, but me and Fitz were talking about what does that look like here in Little Rock as it is in heaven? What does it look like for Jubilee, for the freedom of God to break out? And so I want you guys to have that in your minds 
as we read this passage of scripture. Are you ready? If you're with me, say I'm with me. I said if you're with me, say I'm with me. And you guys (laughs) corrected me. Uh, Mark 10, Mark 10, Mark 10. Every time I read the story of the rich young ruler, I think of that Dave Chappelle meme where he's wearing the crown and he's got the money. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I'll have it for next service. For those of you who don't know, I guess just look it up, but be careful out there. Uh, Mark 10, verse 17. And here's what it says. And it says, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God, for it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, we're gonna get into it. God, we thank you for your scripture. God, we thank you that there's life, there's hope, there's healing, there's freedom at the deepest level in relationship with you. And so, Jesus, we just honor you in this house. We honor your word. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I turned my energy saver off last night, and so I'm going to go ahead and turn that back on. I was looking at it, and I was like, why do I have it set to an hour? It could be for just such a time as this. Okay. Halloween was yesterday. How many of you guys celebrated the devil's holiday? (laughs) Confess. Here's my confession. Bingo. That is a blue ribbon chicken. And I'd like you to leave it here for a second. Uh, Overalls are amazing. Have y'all ever worn overalls? If I ever judged you for wearing overalls, I want to apologize right now. When I first put them on, I was like, this is so stupid, so goofy. And then I had George's onesie in one pocket. I had my wallet in the same pocket. I had face masks. I had phones in my pouch. I had snacks for later. I had a garage door opener. Uh, I had sunglasses. And I'm like, this is amazing. I have everything I need, and I'm still comfortable. And the pants were roomy, you know? So uh, it was really hard for me not to put those back on. But I know you all wouldn't listen to a word I said if I did. Go to the next picture. Let's look closer at the chicken. She just became a Sesame Street character uh, and was so happy. We were nervous. She was going to hate it, but she loved it. That has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to brag. Uh, 
Have you guys ever gone to the grocery store on the phone? Anybody show of hands? Grocery store, been on the phone. Uh, I, I, I have a game plan when I go to the grocery. Okay, I, I go in. Where do we start? Fruits and veggies. Amen? Fruits and veggies. Then we go to meat. Then I make my way over to dairy, eggs, cheese and such, milk. We have a daughter. Then I go to my snacks. That's my favorite part of the trip. That would be where the goldfish are, praise God. Nut thins. Have you all had the sriracha nut thins? Ooh. Sriracha nut thins. Callie and I used to buy them four boxes at a time. And I've been on a diet. And so... I would say it's probably because of those. Sriracha nut thins, that sounds healthy. I'm not convinced, you know. The, the scale would say otherwise. Uh, then we go to beverages, you know, sparkling water, things like that. And then I'm out. Amen? Amen, I'm out. I go get what I need. But not, not so when I'm on the phone. Uh, when I go, and it, this happens to me, I feel like every time I go in and something inevitably is not where it should be, right? And I don't know about you guys, I cannot multitask. And so I go in, I'm like, okay, the asparagus should be here, but I'm on, I'm in this conversation. And so I start looking around all different types of places. I'm like, maybe they've moved it, you know? And so I'm, I'm wandering around aimlessly. I'm, I, I find myself over by the apples, you know, just maybe they'll be there. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of in autopilot, right? And then from there, everything's thrown off, right? Then I jump to snacks. I'm like, oh, I guess I need to get meat. And then I go to the deli and I'm like, do y'all ever get the salads from the deli? Nobody? Oh, y'all are missing out. They got kale salads over there. Listen, here's a pro tip. This wasn't just in my notes. This is for free. Uh, rotisserie chicken, pre-made kale salad over at the deli. It is cheap, it is easy, and it is a healthy dinner. Can I get a praise Jesus from somebody? Y'all, but when anything goes wrong, I'm in trouble, and I start to wander. Listen, when you're distracted, you can end up staying places too long. You can end up making a home in somewhere that you were supposed to pass right through. And the truth is we don't live in the grocery store. We go there to get what we need and we keep going. But when we're distracted, we lose purpose. And we stay places way too long. We were never supposed to live. We were only supposed to pass through. This has happened in 2020. Toxic mindsets, fear, comfort, right? Find new ways of doing things. Andrew Walls, the theologian, he said it this way. He said, one must conclude, I think that there's a certain vulnerability, a fragility at the heart of Christianity. You might say that vulnerability is the vulnerability of the cross. You know, I think what happens so many times when we find in this story is we find a man who is lulled to sleep in his wealth. And he was trying to figure out where God had for him to be, where he was supposed to go, but he was mistaken, and he began to think that it was his strength that showed that God was with him, not his vulnerability and his openness. The cross is all about giving up power. Everybody say power. Pouring out resources and serving. Y'all, when we're in a position of power for too long, Christianity can become something that's nice and it's safe and where we simply settle for good. Y'all, this is the core problem that Jesus is addressing. He's asking this rich man to give up his security and to find it in Jesus. Y'all, listen, Jesus demands more, but he offers more. 
Jesus demands more, but he offers more. Verse 19 says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. (laughs) Can you imagine if your form of love was this? And said, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. I love you that much. (laughs) And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Jesus demands more than you thought, but he offers more than you ever dreamed. He demands more than you thought, but he offers more than you ever dreamed. The young man wanted a teacher and a ticket to heaven, not a Lord and a lifestyle of sacrifice. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Y'all, he thought Christianity was boiled down by what you do, and Jesus is trying to show him it is so much more than that. Let me ask you a question. How can you realize that you're growing in your faith year after year? I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, you realize he asked more than you thought he did in the year before. And he offers you more than you thought he did in the year before. He asks for more, but he offers more. Every year, the demands on your life go up, but at the same time, your understanding of the offer of grace increases with it. These two have to work in tandem or your faith will not make it. There has to be demand and there has to be grace. If you have all grace and no demand, you'll not see your need for a savior. You know, this, I think, is one of the biggest problems in our culture. If you see all grace, but you don't see the demand, at some time, at some point, you're going to forget why you need a Savior. But if you have all demand and no grace, you're going to be crushed by the weight of your inadequacies. All demand, no grace. Has anybody ever experienced that? All demand, no grace. You're going to be crushed. Jesus gives this guy a choice. He says, you can give in to the demand and trust me. Or you can do it your way. The truth is, y'all, when we meet these moments, we can do one of two things. We can bow down and wonder, or we can go away sad. And the truth is, I want more wonder. Does anybody want more wonder in their life? I wonder if sometimes the reason we don't experience the amazing things God wants us to do is because we don't give in to the demand, we just live in the grace. We've gotta have both, we've gotta have demand, we've gotta have grace. And in that is growth. You know, I think the thing that keeps us from wonder is that we wanna settle, we wanna settle for good, we wanna settle for a good place, but Jesus always digs deeper. Look at this, he's digging to the deepest level of this guy's wealth, or his life, his immense wealth. Look, what's he teaching? He's teaching, I cannot be an addition to your life. I can't, can't be election week and me not say something, right? <clears throat> I know you're probably getting sick of it. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> Y'all, I think that's something that's happened. So, so the world's modernizing, right? 
And what's happening is people are uh, beginning to find their identity in, in their politics, right? We've seen this. People are finding their identity in their politics. And everybody's right and everybody else is wrong. And if you vote for this person, you're going to hell. And you're not a Christian. If you vote for this person, you're definitely going to hell. And you're not a Christian. Um, and we've talked about that. Um, the truth is, is that what happens is when politics becomes your identity and, and you, you become crushed by what happens or what doesn't happen, you begin pursuing the kingdom without the king. And what's happened in 2020 is that people are pursuing the kingdom, they're pursuing freedom, they're pursuing grace, they're pursuing life, pursuing equality. Where do we find this? There is no greater show of grace, love, equality than in the person of Jesus. There has never been true jubilee in all of history until Jesus broke in and brought it. If we want the kingdom, we've got to have the king. We will never see what we want to see without Jesus on the throne of our lives. Amen? And what the, the world needs is a strong church. What the world needs is a church that's together and saying, this is where we're going. And we're following Jesus. Not talking bad about other churches. If you've done that, stop it. Let God work that out. Let's, can we be unified? I'm not just talking about New Life Church downtown. I'm talking about the global church. The church of Jesus, his last prayer, I talked about this maybe last week or the week before, is that we would be one as he's one. Amen? But here's what happens. I wanna, I'm going to show you a picture of what self-righteousness looks like. Have you all seen a sewing needle? Right? It's smooth. It's chrome. It's got it all together. Right? It's like this rich young ruler. I want to show you the first picture is going to be a close-up of a sewing needle. Right? That's pretty close. Now let's look at the microscopic view of the same needle. There's pox. There's holes. What Jesus is doing is saying to this guy, on the outside, you've got it all together. Let's just assume he kept all the laws. Let's assume he, he, he did all those things. Let's look at what Jesus said. He says, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to, the, said to him, teacher, I, I've done all these things from my youth. Y'all, by all aspects, he is an amazing person, and he's humble. <laughs> he's coming and he's saying, show me where I'm missing it, because he knows somewhere that he doesn't have exactly what he's looking for. Have you ever felt that? It's like everything is going right in your life, but there's something that's just not quite right. And so Jesus zooms into the microscopic view and he says, let's look at the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Give me all of your wealth. Trust me with your wealth. Jesus digs in and he doesn't just stop at the surface, but he goes down to the microscopic level. And he says, these are the places where you're trying to find security. Yo, I heard one pastor, he said that the tension between Christians and God is that God doesn't just want you, he wants your dreams. He wants the things that you fantasize about. He wants the things that you find your security in. Because here's the truth, when we give God everything, our whole life comes into its fullness. Our whole life comes into its purpose. 
You know, it makes me think of the story of Abraham. He's another man who had a dream. He had a dream that he would be a great nation. But he was old. In fact, he was too old. But God gave him a son. And then what did God do? He tested him. He said, will you take your dream? Will you take the one thing that you've put your hope in, a lineage, and will you put it in my hands? Will you take this son up to the top of a mountain and will you sacrifice him? But the truth of the story of the scripture is if you study that there was a ram caught in a thicket, y'all, there is always a ram in the thicket when God asks you for something impossible, he will always provide, but he might not do it in the moment that you think he should. It was at the last moment that God stopped Abraham. I wonder what stories we would tell if the man had given up his dream. And so my question to you is, what's your dream? What's that place where you say, because I've got this, I'm okay? Jesus wants to take the place of that in your life. This is the story of the gospel. This is the message of the scripture. Jesus, looking at him, loved him, said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Yo, this is the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, join me in my rescue mission. He said, how do I inherit eternal life? You know, how many times do people come to church? How many times have you? I remember as a 15-year-old kid, how many kids are in here? If you got a kid in the room, raise your hand. Okay, I'm gonna be gentle then. Uh, I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't have been doing at 15 years old. Let me say it that way, even a youth group. And I remember sitting there in the audience sipping my Sonic Blue Coconut slushy plus a little bit extra, if you follow me, and wondering, I just want to know if I'm going to hell or not. <laughs> I, I, I responded to every altar call. Don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Sign me up. That's what this guy's doing. He's saying, what could keep me from eternal paradise? And Jesus says, join me in my rescue mission now, because if you're not with me now, were you ever really with me? That's the story. That's the gospel. Y'all, let's be a church. Listen, there's eternal reward. We believe in an afterlife. It's our hope. But our function is to bring the kingdom to the world that we walk in today. And Jesus is graciously inviting him in. He loved him so much. He said, I want to take the thing that's enslaving you. He treated him like an alcoholic. He said, you've got to stop. This goes deeper than you could ever know. And we gotta cut you off because you're addicted to your wealth. You're addicted to your security. And when you're in this high castle, you think you've got it all, but you don't have it all what I'm trying to get you. He's trying to set him free, but he doesn't know he's enslaved. And so my question to you, where do you find your security? Where do you find your value? Where do you find your worth? Because that's your dream. That's the thing that Jesus is asking for. You know, it's interesting. Nowhere else in the scripture does Jesus make such a demand on someone. So I want to set you at ease. 
Chappelle meme. He's not necessarily, this is not a demand for every Christian. I actually wrestled with this this week. I was talking to my buddy. I'm like, oh, maybe we should, you know, maybe this is it. Zacchaeus gave away half. God made different demands. This guy, this was his, this was his one thing. This is his one place. And so here's my question. What's in your hands? How are you holding it? You know, I heard one pastor, his name's Judah Smith. He said it like this. I thought it was hilarious. He said, we think a generous life is when we're done with a sweater, we say, you know, instead of put, putting that Instagram and selling it, I'm going to give this away. That, this sweater's hideous. It's just for you, right? <laughs> I can't even believe I bought this. For free. Yeah. I'm going to bless you. A life of generosity is taking something that you love and giving it to somebody else so that they might find joy too. That's the radical message of Jesus. This is what he's inviting us into. He's trying to set this guy free. You know, it's interesting. If you study the Greek, uh, that, that word sorrowful, or some translations say sad, it's better translated as, as grief. He went away in grief because he had great wealth. You know, another time that that same word is used is when Jesus is in the, is in the garden and he's asking God to take the cup from him. And he's got the wilderness behind him where he could run away. Or he's got the way of God, the way of the cross in front of him. And he was in grief inside of himself because he knew that it was going to be separated from his father. This man's greatest treasure was his wealth. Jesus' greatest treasure was his father. He grieved his wealth in the same way that Jesus grieved separation from God. Is that not challenging? <laughs> what do we grieve? What if we lost, could we not afford to lose it? Here's a quote I want to read to you. It says this. It says, if you want to be a Christian, of course you'll repent of your sins. But after you've repented of your sins, you'll have to repent of how you use the good things in life to fill the place where God should be. If you want intimacy with God, if you want to get over this sense that something is missing, it will have to be God that you love with all your heart. Y'all listen, here's the grace in this. This is the journey, this is the path. We're all looking to deal with that sense of inadequacy within ourselves. And I think Jesus used this story and I think God put all this together to highlight this. This is a man who has everything in life. He has moral riches. He has financial riches. He has social riches. But still within him, he's saying something's not quite right. And God's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm not the deepest desire of your heart yet. That's the only thing. That is the only thing. Y'all, this is the most radical message on the planet. Here's the truth. If you study Christianity, it's migrated. It started in the Middle East, and then it migrated up, and it went up into Rome, and then it migrated down into North Africa and Egypt. And then it migrated up into Europe, which is kind of where we came from, right? We moved from Europe to here for religious freedoms. And now, for the first time in history, the majority of Christians on the planet live below the hemisphere. It's the only world religion where the epicenter migrates. Study it out. 
Islam, Hinduism, everything else. Why? Because it's an affront to where we find security. And y'all, when we become wealthy, that becomes really hard to hear. And we start to find security in our wealth. We become like this guy and say, we just want to be good. But Jesus is saying, I don't just want goodness. I want everything. And when you're poor, can I get an amen, somebody? It's like, that's not that hard, (laughs) okay? But y'all, here's the amazing part. Most of us in this room are wealthy, not all of us. Some of you guys in here are wealthy and you don't know it. I could get into the stats globally. I think you've you've heard most of them, but most of us, 99% of us in the top 4% of the world. What's in your hand? What could we build together with God? Yo, having possessions is not bad. It's hoarding possessions. It's seeing a need and saying, oof, I don't know about that. So what's the place in your life where God's calling you to be generous? I'm not saying come up here and write everything over the church. I don't don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe God's going to ask you to do that. (laughs) But it's unusual. I think what God is trying to say is, hey, when you have things, don't hold it like this. Hold it like this. Amen? Last point. Jesus redefines who is in and who is out. He redefines who is in. And who is out? Jesus looked around at his disciples and said, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? It's the place where truth, justice, peace, righteousness, all that reigns. And it's breaking into our world. That's the good news. And the disciples were amazed at his words. Now listen, most of his disciples, most of the people around him were poor. You'd think they'd be saying, that's right, sucker. So rich in your castle. Eat that, you know? They're blown away. Who could be saved? It says they were exceedingly astonished, and they said to him, who then can be saved? You know, in their culture, wealth was a sign of God's blessing. The more godly someone was, the more wealth they had, and it worked its way into their worship. We talked about this this summer in the It Starts With Me series, but we talked about how they could bring pigeons for guilt offerings, they could bring goat for guilt, guilt offerings, they could bring bulls for guilt offerings. Who do you think brought the most offerings? The wealthy. The reason Jesus turned the tables in the temple was not because they were selling books in the foyer, all right, or whatever, coffee. It's because they were exploiting the poor in their community people who were just trying to make sacrifices, they were raising the prices and they were gouging them so they couldn't even worship God. And they're watching from the outside looking in. And they're saying, look at these wealthy people. I want that. Maybe if I just trust God more, I honor God more. Have any of you guys ever gotten caught in that trap? And Jesus is saying, it's not just those who have material wealth. It's actually impossible. He says impossible. Some theologians get in. I'm going to land the plane here. Um, And they say, well, you know, Eye of the Needle was actually a place in Jerusalem. And they had to unpack the camels and force the case. He's saying it was hard. Or they were saying it's like trying to thread a needle. You know, it's difficult. But that's actually really not in the text. He's saying it's impossible. But here's the good news. He says, what's impossible with man 
is possible with God. Let me leave you with this last thought. He says, if you do these things, you're going to have treasure in heaven. God is saying, hey, I want to be your treasure. Here's the best thing about Jesus. You are Jesus' treasure. Jesus loves you. He treasures you. If you actually go in and study, we talked about the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies every year, and he would have the names of all the people written on his heart. The people of Israel, they'd inscribe it, and he'd wear it as part of what he wore. Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus has your name written on his heart, and he's saying, make me your treasure, and I'll be your treasure, and let's look and see what God could do. So here's my question. What's that one place? What's that one place where God's saying, will you trust me? Will you make me your dream? Will you make me your treasure? And what I want you guys to do this week is just take steps of obedience around that. For some of you guys, it's gonna be finances. God's gonna ask you to be willing to give generously. Wait for the moment because it's amazing to see what God does when we put things in his hands, amen? Listen, for some of you guys, it's relational. There's places where God's trying to heal. God's trying to bring forgiveness. You may love your anger. You may love holding on to that debt. But as we forgive much, it's forgiven to us much. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.